Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully, and today we have Judith Musa with us today. She is a young activist who is really big with sustainability. She um, is part of the Sustainability Community Development Ambassador to Africa. She has taught in Kenya. She's also a teacher in leadership. And one of her greatest passions is mentorship and she's working on a book and I am hopeful that she will share a lot more about that at the end of our interview. So welcome, Judith. Thank you very much, Jacqueline. So my first question for you is what was your inspiration to work with kids or young people or this work that you're doing in leadership and sustainability? Um, I have been a young person growing up with um, very little attention from my parents, simply because we are many children. And um, I'm really grateful that uh, amidst such a crisis of having very little attention, because while I was in primary school for eight years, I was brought up by my grandmother. And you can be sure that's a very big difference of generations. Yeah, so most of the things she wouldn't understand me mm. and it was it was really hard and tough. Yeah, and um, since then I went to high school. In high school, um, I found teachers who were really caring about me. Teachers who really um, were amazed by how much I could say, how much I could speak. And at that age, uh, in adolescence where somebody um, wants to be listened to. I found really good teachers who listened to me. Mm. And besides that, um, I was a smart student. Okay, I am still I am still a smart student. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a smart student. Um, I really thank God that I have been able to identify my strengths early enough. And um, I'm grateful today that um, I had such a good background. So when I finished Form 4, uh, definitely I was in um, national school and after that um, we have we had uh, or we have um, um, schools in the in the remote areas where teachers were not enough mm. and uh, it was somehow a trend that those people who were doing very well in secondary school and they finish from four they can help teachers in the local schools to teach mm. so that was also one of my um reasons as to why I went into education that time and it used to happen before we joined campus before we went to the university there were like um, about eight nine months so with those nine months most uh students who are doing well in secondary school would help teachers in the local remote schools to teach wow and again I had done um uh, a lot of mentorship to my young sisters in my 
secondary school. I, I, I had a very uh, big group of form ones and form twos who I was mentoring at that time. So the student, um, the, the student heart had really sunk into me and I was feeling like um, I need to get more into the student life. And mm. yeah, that made me uh, go and apply for a teaching uh, space in a nearby school. Yeah, and I went into the school and I was accepted to teach physics and mathematics. Oh, wow. <laughs> Definitely, I would have wanted geography, but geography already <laughs> had a teacher. <laughs> I love geography, but I give it up to you for teaching physics and math. That is for me so hard. <laughs> yeah, and fortunately, um, the teachers were really few. So I was given from one up to form four. I was even teaching form fours as a junior. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and I was given um, a class, the Form 1 class that came that year, I was given to be the class teacher. That's amazing. I just think that you have like such a like drive, you know, the fact that you said you grew up with, you know, all of these siblings, a big family. And when you have a big family and your parents are working a lot, I didn't grow up in such a big family, but my parents worked a lot. My mom was a night nurse and my dad was a social worker. You kind of take care of yourself and it can go one or two ways. You could either do what you did and be really strong and really like have this drive and, and be a leader like in your school and now in your community and even as a, you know, a sister or you could get into a lot of trouble, <laughs> but um, it's just, it's kind of like a gift that you have. And I, ever since we connected on LinkedIn and you became part of the teacher circle and you have such a big energy in that group and that community and just everything with sharing out on LinkedIn, um, you definitely have this quality of leadership. And I think you're going to bring a lot to young people. So kind of moving into my next part is what were some of your early teaching experiences like or any kind of stories you want to share, aha moments, things that were really challenging or takeaways? Thank you very much. Um, it was really exciting. Um, I was happy to be a teacher that time. <laughs> Yeah, um, one of the biggest challenges, um, okay, let me start with the negatives. One of the biggest <laughs> challenges that um, I found was actually having come from a humble background, I didn't have enough official clothes. You see the, the way mm. teachers, teachers are really smart, like mm -hmm. they have to be smart and good examples in smartness for their students. So for me, having come from a humble background and my, okay, my grandma passed on when I was in form one. Mm. So then I had to live with my parents, although mm. most of the time our holidays would just be three months, except in December when he had like one and a half months. And then, um, so I didn't have enough clothes to actually teach. <laughs> like formal but, clothes to wear. Yeah, I, I yeah, I didn't have more clothes many clothes to wear and be a smart teacher. But mm -hmm. I think that di didn't really enter into my system more than what I wanted to give to the students. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful because even then, the confidence that I had in the content that I was giving them yeah. blinded them that they wouldn't see that this teacher is not smart. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that you're saying smart is in like fashion and like what you're wearing and in dress. Yeah. 
Yeah, things that I would want, things that, uh, clothes that I would admire other people wearing. And mm-hmm. you see in the, like, for example, in Kenya, teachers are usually taken as people who wear official clothes, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily African wear, like I, mm-hmm. I love, mm-hmm. but they wear some, uh, I can say, not not African wear, but Mostly it's Euro- European wear or something. Like a suit or like dress, yeah, ties, pants and dress. Yeah, ties, yeah, ties cut suits. You see, <laughs> so for me, I didn't have those, but I didn't care anyway because I was confident of what I was to give to the students. And for them, I was really a nice and an, a smart teacher. Like they would admire my life then. Mm-hmm. So that was only a challenge for me. But again, it didn't sink too much. Um, the other thing was, I think, um, the life, the, the world of students is beautiful, but again, challenging, especially mm-hmm. dealing with, um, teenagers at mm-hmm. that point, yeah. it was really, um, tough dealing with so many issues with these mm-hmm. children, because most of them come from very humble backgrounds, worse mm-hmm. than mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> worse than mine. Mine, I yeah. think, um, we are highly ranked. Yeah. Them, for them, they really come from humble backgrounds. Mm. And you could tell that some of them don't have parents. They are orphaned Mm. or others are living with their guardians. Mm -hmm. And there was just so many issues. And then Mm. uh, their childhoods, um, for most of them, they had adverse childhood experiences and highly traumas. So it was really hard for them to actually concentrate in class. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Sure. um, yeah, so they had so many issues. A, a student would come to school and they haven't eaten in the morning. Mm. So, mm. and as a teacher, I expect them to understand with an empty stomach. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah. having gone through almost a similar um, path, I knew what was happening in the students' lives. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so that was another challenge. Most of the students were failing because of mm. the these underlying issues that mm-hmm. most teachers do not concentrate on. So for mm-hmm. me, they really bothered me. It was, um, it was really tough, mm. but I am grateful that most of them would really come over and open up if they are, if some, if a student, surely they have one pair of socks, they would just tell me. And I am like, oh, let me just help because I know what it means to lack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was it was a tough life um, as a teacher then and actually as a young teacher. So I have been of late wondering what happens to the older teachers. How much do they have? Mm-hmm. They should be having lots of loads. But again, it depends on um, if they are concerned that much like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, then to the positive side, um, the impact I was making to the students was really uh, heartwarming. I liked that. I liked the fact that um, they had a big sister to look up to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and a big sister from the neighborhood, not mm-hmm. far, not in a TV, not, um, they are not hearing, they they have me there. So, yeah. And um, I made sure that I was the most friendly <laughs> person that I have ever been so that they, they draw close and find some, loophole to actually open up and they share their story and we we encourage one another Mm. uh yeah and it was really amazing 
like <laughs> yeah because again um in 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 the second term or yeah in the second term i was the christian union patron it's a christian school mm-hmm. yeah and um after sharing the word of god and um and actually talking to them and praying mm-hmm. they were, they were happy they were encouraged things mm-hmm. that i wouldn't receive from elder people that way or from their homes or something yeah mm-hmm. so it was really amazing for them to have somebody who is their okay i was almost their age because i was barely 18 yeah wow very <laughs> young was, teacher yeah <laughs> i was barely 18 and some of them were actually older than me then my oh, students wow. some of my students were actually older than me then <laughs> Yeah, What was and, that like? Was that did that feel kind of awkward a little bit? Was it hard or did they still relate to you? Yeah, a little bit awkward. Yeah. But but again, they are students. They are in uniform. I'm not. Right, right. <laughs> I will mark their exams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm teaching them. So Yeah. Yeah, but it was really exciting. It was more like more of like me teaching my my little brother and my little sisters and having a warm a warm class i really had warm mm-hmm. classes they they could open up we could mm-hmm. talk those who were free um to actually understand understood <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah as i dealt with the others on the other side so that um their psychosocial life can mm-hmm. free them to actually understand class content yeah that's so <laughs> important judith and i thank you for bringing that up because when you go into teaching like you taught physics and mathematics that's not just the only thing you're doing like right now what you just described in this whole experience had nothing to do with the content right and yeah. it's about how you connect with these young individuals and like you could see what they needed and what they were missing in their life and you cared for them and you wanted to like have them come to you and that that's a lot on a teacher but there's a lot of people like you in these roles because you do care about them and you want them to have their their needs met right i mean children who can't eat food in the morning and they come to school and they're expected to learn they can't do that because they can't concentrate and so you know being able to like learn this about your students background and like hopefully be able to like you know find someone in the school or find some kind of support that could help them with whatever they need it to just have their needs met for school but then getting to know them as individuals and i like this idea of a warm classroom and i think creating an environment is just as important as the content that you teach like when you create an environment where whether that's like what you have on the wall or just the way you present a lesson or just the way that you ask questions and you get to know your students it becomes like a second home for them and it becomes a safe space and so like you have a lot of students who are sharing with you and it is like you mentioned like i don't know how the older teachers are doing it for so long and it it could it could definitely burn teachers out long term as you get older as you get older life also gets kind of more complicated too and you're dealing with a lot of your own stuff in your own life but you're still caring for the children and you could take kind of the weight of the world on your shoulders with doing that and so um it can be difficult if you're in it long term but i know just kind of hearing your story and thinking about my early years of teaching you just like 
pour your whole heart into it and you really, really care um, about those kids. And it's funny that you mentioned you were a very young teacher. I wasn't as young as you, but I was 21 when I first started teaching and I taught 18 year olds. So my first year as a substitute teacher, I had seniors. And so that was like tricky too. It was like, they're basically the same age as me. Right. But yes, you can have respect with like, I'm grading your papers or how you, how they're dressed in uniform or how you're dressed. And I like this idea that you shared as a challenge, but you didn't see it that way um, in dress. Right. So there's maybe in different cultures, this, um, I guess, expectation to look a certain way and to command that respect because I'm in this role. And I know not so much here, at least in the schools I've taught where there's not as so much like suit kind of wear, but like you still wear formal, you might wear like a dress or a skirt. There are many gentlemen teachers who will wear like um, a tie, right? And administrators wear suits. And you're like, well, I don't like have all of that. Like, I don't have access to all of that. You're like, I just kind of want to, I'm just going to wear what I wear. I'm going to be me, but I'm, you know, connecting with the kids and I'm like teaching them content in an engaging way and they respect you. So it's like, it doesn't matter what you're wearing or what you look like. It's how you connect with them. So it's such an important message. Um, so thinking about the pandemic. I don't know if you were teaching during the last couple of years. Well, I think, yeah, it was the last couple of years. Anything specifically about the time we're in now and maybe even going back to 2020 into 2021, that was a time to really see like, what are the things that need to be fixed in education? What was really challenging? Maybe particularly in your, your experience, because I'm, I'm trying to have more teachers from around the world on this show so that we can kind of learn about the different places and how it was. Um, and then also like takeaways, things that you're learning in the time of the pandemic. Anything you want to share with that? Thank you. Um, I'll take it from an angle of um, an observer teacher, like okay. a previous teacher, but now an observer. In the spirit of being a teacher, uh, over the pandemic, I was worried like many parents yeah. <laughs> and as a teacher as well. It was a time when uh, in my country, for example, a neighboring county, we had over 8,000 8, teenage pregnancies within, wow. within a span of um, less than four months. Wow. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and these were the only ones that were mentioned. They are those that were hidden. Mm. Um, to some people, it may not be a lot, but... Mm. To some of us who are really concerned about these generations, it's a lot. Yeah. Over the pandemic, it's um it's a time when I realized that teachers do a lot of work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> teachers keep students focused. It mm -hmm. keeps children focused and um, protected for the big part of the day before they go home. Yeah. So. It is a time when I also saw parents complain about their children. One mm. thing that I, they've never done before. Mm. And um, it's a time when I was, there was a time I was doing research over, over COVID-19, actually 2020, the same 2020 in July, mm -hmm. I was doing some research on how the urban poor in Nairobi were uh, surviving through the COVID-19 wave. 
Mm-hmm. And I got to talk with many parents. And one of the m- most screaming thing in them was how their children are disturbing, how they feel the weight of their, ch- their own children, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, feeding them and yeah. actually making sure that they are fine and they are um, they have focused life, mm-hmm. lives because most of the children were giving up mm-hmm. because they were not seeing any hope of actually going back to school. Yeah. yeah. And with those parents who were actually straining financially and economically, of which there are so many of them, then it was hard to feed these children. Mm-hmm. And because they are young people and they are growing and they have been in the house the whole time, some of mm-hmm. them will do will, will do some things that you as a parent will not take them. You will easily get into depression because of a mistake that that, that a child has made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was a time when I got to appreciate what a teacher does, and most mm-hmm. parents did the same. Because when the teacher is with the students in school, most parents, especially in my country and a bigger part of Africa, I think, um, when a child is going to school, the parents know that all is sorted and it is well. The the teachers will take care of everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a lot that is usually submitted to, to the teachers. The teachers who have schemes of work to write who have lesson plans, who have notes to write, who mm-hmm. have records of work to write and go and teach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they also have their own lives. They have their own families and they have lots of things on their table and they are accountable mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. successful students academically. Yeah. So these are overwhelmed teachers by the end of the day. And some of the syllabuses in these countries like mine Mm-hmm. They're really overwhelming, such that the teacher mm-hmm. doesn't even want to care what the student will, whether the student will really understand or not. Mm-hmm. Because if you see as a teacher now with such a schedule, if you see some five or ten students in a class of 40 understanding, then you assume the rest will catch up later. Right. Yeah. And it's expected because you are a human being, you also get tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is that over COVID, it's a time when I got to appreciate how much teachers do and most Mm. parents also did the same. I saw parents appreciate that teachers do a lot of work. And it's also a time when I saw students actually giving up. Some Mm. students go to school to hide from their parents and guardians. Mm. (laughs) Because some of these parents and guardians are also frustrated people. Mm -hmm. And uh, for example, in developing countries like my own, Mm -hmm. Um, some of the parents uh, were married or they got the children when they were young. Yeah, yeah. So you can be sure the trauma and the childhood experiences that were bad Mm -hmm. that they went through. So some of these parents and guardians are actually wounded people. Yeah. And they're also frustrated about their own lives. And Mm -hmm. some of them um, have not grown up to be given a shoulder especially emotionally and psychosocially to Mm. lean on so they have just been on themselves they have hardened toxically (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they don't give such a shoulder to their children yeah if it doesn't happen that way then Mm. they may they may not be as friendly as the child expects and Mm. at at such a time of a crisis Mm. then 
it's a different case. So mm-hmm. I saw many children give up. They were asking, so what will happen to us? What will happen to the future? And mm. in most of these countries, we have education as the main thing or the only thing that will uh, make us successful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the way education is emphasized, like in my country, hey, Kenya, hmm. It's emphasized until you feel like if you don't study, you will never be successful. But mm-hmm. I thank God because the the mood the mood is changing because mm-hmm. we have competence based curriculum at the moment that's mm-hmm. coming up. So it's actually going on, but it just started some some years not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, it's helping the students understand their abilities and um, be able to practice what they can do from my from my very young age mm-hmm. and it's giving the students um a different um view of life at least there's a different perspective on um what happens if i don't pass mm. in the exam mm-hmm. yeah and there's more of embracing the skills that a student has mm-hmm. yeah so it's something that i noted and um it's also the time that I, I appreciated the fact that it's good if you have hope to give somebody else mm. a show to be known. Yes. Yeah. So I started mentoring the girls. It's the first time I actually had a WhatsApp group and I started mentoring the girls. We had topics and we could discuss so many things and most of mm. them opened up. Others who are feeling constrained at home and... Um, in need of somebody to talk to, we give them a platform to actually open up and talk to us. And yeah, I was really a busy person then because my WhatsApp was always chatting, chatting, oh. chatting, one person after another. It was always busy. And I made some really good friends there mm. and they're good girls. They're doing well at the moment. And I'm happy when I see them doing well. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that, Judith. I think this is really important to get these uh, perspectives from around the world, because especially being in America, I just think a lot of times, and I wouldn't say like everyone, but tends to just think about the issues we're going through, whereas like the pandemic was, it's a global pandemic and it's still going on. And it's really challenging in a lot of other places, even more so than what we dealt with in America. And I think just to talk about how teachers did so much more. And I think that's like a major part of why there's also a lot of teachers who are like kind of burnt out and leaving because they're like, we did so much during this time. And I don't know if I could do it anymore, but I like to hear that the parents I know it's frustrating for them and the students being home all the time or feeling they can't give to them, but that they, they got to see what teachers do and they appreciate all the work that they do. I think we had a little bit of that and the other side of that in America, where there was definitely a lot of parents who are like, oh my gosh, especially when their kids were home with them. They're like, these teachers do so much, but there was also a lot of pushback. I think in our country, they were getting frustrated with schools being closed so long and like they're like we need our kids to go back to school and then there was this whole like idea of well we're not just babysitters too like it's not just childcare. like you know we need to do this well and we need to do it safe but it just this is such an important story because we have to learn about what was going on around the world and not just in our own country and you went through seeing some really you know really big challenges and you still have this energy and you 
you want to mentor these these children, especially these young women, um, and you see the need there. And so I just I really commend you for that because a lot of people right at this time they can't imagine having that kind of energy and giving so much um, and continuing on. So kind of moving into our last part, what are some of your ideas for either education in general or with the work that you're doing with mentorship or you can share about the book that you're writing on mentorship or anything you wanna go into with your future endeavors? Thank you. Um, I'll approach it a little bit from, um, from a perspective that I have highlighted previously. Um, that um, we have um, frustrated teachers, we have frustrated parents, <laughs> and it's generally a frustrated society because of mm. the many things that are happening, especially with the changes that are going on at the moment, mm. including climate change. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm an activist of climate change, so I can tell of how much it has given us um, sleepless nights with um, the impacts to mm -hmm. our lives. And um, there's less and less food by day mm. because the lands that my, my grandmother and my our, our grandparents and the forefathers used to cultivate, they are mm. no longer productive. Wow. And mm. um, with that, now we have this new and unhealthy foods around and um, the economies are becoming worse by day. Mm -hmm. So with, with, with such a society mm. um, and um, these um, elder people who have their dreams shattered, mm. somebody feels like I would have been a teacher. Mm -hmm. And in some of these remote areas, like where I come from, for example, Mm -hmm. They only know very few professions. Like they know, first of all, there is a teacher because in every region there is a school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they know teachers are really highly um, ranked people in the society. Mm -hmm. And then they know they are bankers, they know they are engineers, they know they are lawyers. And some of us, our professions are actually not known in the society or they are not highly ranked as others. <laughs> and um, with such people, most of the children grow up also knowing that teachers are really nice people and it's a really nice profession. Mm -hmm. So growing up to be a teacher will give me more credits. Mm. <laughs> and it doesn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we have these frustrated um, parents, mm -hmm. not all of them, of course, but some, um, who actually push the children to go and do professions that they feel the children will be good at. Mm. So you see this child, if they are going to become a teacher or if they are going to become a lawyer or if mm -hmm. they are going to become um, a banker or they are going to become whichever that this, uh, the parents have suggested or sometimes the society can suggest for a, for a child. Mm -hmm. Especially if the child is the only one to go, is the first one to go mm. to a higher education <laughs> so sometimes you become a community child or a child of your parents from yeah. everything everything so the purpose of this child probably is not where the parents want them to mm. it's not in the in line with what the parents want them to do mm -hmm. 
And I'm talking about this because I have met so many students who are frustrated that I am doing this course and I don't like it. Mm. I have uh, teacher trainees. Actually, my circle right now of young people has more teachers than any other profession. Mm-hmm. And with these students who are studying education to go and become teachers, most of them, they are just there because they were told to do education mm. because they will get a job very fast. Yeah. And that is not where their heart is. Mm. <laughs> so they go there the first time, the second time, within two years, they are frustrated. They don't feel like this is my thing. They don't feel like this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. What happens after that? They will frustrate these children. <laughs> Mm. They will be now the teachers whose hearts, whose hearts will grow cold to mm-hmm. the welfare of these students besides the class content. Yeah. And having noticed that, I have um, thought about it and my, my heart has, um, has been lightened up to mm. actually um, talk to more and more teacher trainees. Mm-hmm. Those who are already teachers it's okay but I, as well as um as much as they also learn from me mm-hmm. uh, i think uh talking to the teacher trainees first before they enter into it or getting them prepared before they enter into education to understand that they are standing in between generations mm-hmm. students keep passing through their hands mm-hmm. like a generation passes, another one finishes, another one, another one, another one, another one. Most of us, we are giving reference to our teachers because we passed in their hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But how many students are able to give reference to you as a teacher because they passed through mm-hmm. your hands? Mm-hmm. And the student world is really a rich world because you have mm. all the skills, you have the, all the innovations, mm. you have all the good things, you have all the smiles, you have all the leaders with you, you have all the professions with you. Mm-hmm. But what you do with that really mm. matters in the future of the next generation. Yeah. At some point, I have thought about it and I have actually made a comment that the society that we see today can, can, can largely be traced back to the teachers Mm. (laughs) who taught those students. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can trace the society that we have today and how we are behaving, how we are, all these things that we are having in Mm. our country, largely we can trace them back to our teachers. Mm. What the impact that our teachers made in us, Mm -hmm. including the values and um, these virtues that we got from our teachers. Mm-hmm. Basically because in some societies, a student really stays in school. Like from home, a student mm-hmm. goes, um, we go to school at 6.30 a.m. Oh, wow, that's early. Yeah, and we go back home at 5 or 6 p.m. Wow, that's a long day. <laughs> so the whole time, this student has been with the teacher. Yeah, more than the parents. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these days, a child, even at three years, they are taken to baby class. Wow. Or even that year that is that year that is behind baby, before baby class, babysitting, this one of babysitting. And mm-hmm. from there, they go to the next one and the next one and the next one. So it is school life all through because parents mm-hmm. are busy. Parents are really busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so that has brought up the idea, the whole idea mm -hmm. of students who actually need people to look up to. Their parents mm -hmm. have been busy most of the time. We don't blame the parents and guardians because they have been people who have stand who have stood in between to look for their fees. Mm -hmm. They have looked for their food. They have found out their clothes that these students are going to wear. They have mm -hmm. bought their uniform and they have made sure that they have a good shelter. Mm -hmm. So it is not for them to blame, <laughs> even though they have a role to play in the in the mm -hmm. life of this child as um, as parents. So again, now you 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 put poverty somewhere, and the fact that um, parents are busy looking for money and mm -hmm. a, way, a way of living, and also trying to live their lives, mm -hmm. and entrusting the life of their children to the teachers. So it's like it's a, mm -hmm. like a transfer, a transfer of responsibility to the teachers. Mm -hmm. With such um, a, this, uh, a background, then I've realized that most of young people actually do not have people to listen to them. The basic listening, the way you would listen to a child. Mm. They tell you sometimes nonsense. Mm. <laughs> sometimes they will tell you nonsense, but if you listen, then yeah. they get confidence to actually tell you more. Yeah, good point. And I have identified that as a really big problem because I have had really friends who... They would tell you that I would rather just keep it to myself mm. than telling my mom or telling my dad or telling anyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is a problem of mistrust. Mm -hmm. That's trust. Something that actually comes in at birth, uh, at, between birth and one year of a child's life, mm. how they are treated there actually contributes more on if they will trust people later or mm -hmm. not. And so you see the stages of development. Mm -hmm. And um, having realized that I, I have seen the gap and I have felt that um, it's really a nice opportunity to actually impact generations also mm -hmm. and complete the circle that the teachers are not able to complete. Because for me, I understand teachers are busy and they mm -hmm. also have life. <laughs> mm -hmm. And dealing with teenagers and young people is not easy. So if people can come in and actually help teachers yeah. <laughs> help students help teachers help students then it would be a really nice idea but for teachers who are really understanding what they were called for mm. and they understand that there is more to life for this child mm -hmm. then they are those are magical teachers like mm -hmm. like you eh, mm -hmm. you are just amazing like you are one of these people that hey i wish i met such kind of a teacher Oh, or wonderful. I, you too. Or I wish I was your, I, I wish you were my class teacher. <laughs> you too, Judith, your energy and positivity is amazing. And there's just a couple of things I want to touch on. I was just having this conversation with someone, I think actually this morning I had a zoom call and there needs to be like this other role, like this mentorship that you're doing because the parents are overwhelmed and frustrated. The teachers have a lot on their plate. They usually have a lot of students here in America in public schools. There could be 150 students on a roster. You can't give that one-on-one -on -one attention to every single child and really care for them. So I was talking with someone about like this idea of having a mentor or a coach in the way that, you know, we think of like life coaches with adults, but like a mentor coach for students where you can meet one-on-one. -on -one. You're not like 
a counselor or a tutor, but you're this person who you have their back, you can coach them through school, maybe decision-making, like thinking about what they want to do when they get older, what do you want to be? Maybe that gives them extra support because their parents are kind of like pushing them in a direction that they don't want to go into. And we see that in our country as well, that not every family, but there's a lot of um, families that might push their kids to become a doctor, become a scientist or become a business person or what, what may be actually teachers in our country are not up there at all. So no one's pushing their kids to become a teacher in America, which is really sad because we're going to be losing teachers, but, um, you need this kind of other person. And I think that's what you are really trying to be is this, this mentor and have mentorship programs and help teachers through their own training, but like giving the support to them as well. There's just, there needs to be more support for these kids because you can't put it all on the parents and the teachers. When you have so many kids in a community, it's very frustrating, like you said. So you just have to create these other, other positions. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough and we yeah. need, we need who are thinking faster than the generation is moving. Yes. <laughs> so with this, um, with this now background, I have thought of both the teacher and the student and because each and every other time, of course, many students and many young people and my friends are watching at me, watching me from social media, from my WhatsApp, from my Facebook. They know me from home and they've been like, please mentor me. Oh, (laughs) wow. Mentor me, mentor me. Some of them actually are talking of mentorship, but they don't know know what it is. Mm -hmm. All they know is that you will help me grow. (laughs) Yes, yes. In many aspects. aspects. So with that, now I have um, realized that there are so many of them and I am overwhelmed dealing with one person at a time. Mm-hmm. So I have decided to come up with a module of mentorship for mm-hmm. the students first. And then later I will, I will do one for the teachers. Wonderful. Yeah. So for the students, I have decided that I am going to do a mentorship program and then I will launch it probably sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that um, I get time to actually um, prepare. And um, before then, I thought it is wise if I give the world my story Mm. of mentorship. Mm -hmm. So the book that is coming up is actually on my own story. Oh, great. I think that would be a wonderful book. (laughs) My story, it's my own story, but I am... Um, first of all, preparing their mind so that they don't have a mindset of expecting too much from me. Mm. So that I, I, so I have chosen to give them my story mm-hmm. and it's actually going to be around 10 chapters. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I have begun by analyzing my roots, like back mm. to my roots. That's a whole chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I have to, uh, I've talked of um, crushed but soaring. That is mm-hmm. another chapter. That was in primary school life where mm-hmm. I was being brought up by my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one of high school where um, I am looking up to greater heights. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah, but still in dim light. There's dim light. Mm. It's not very clear what exactly is happening. Mm-hmm. But we are moving. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm also talking about my campus life. Mm-hmm. Campus life where um, I have found um, mentors and I'm acknowledging the fact that people can really hold you up. Mm-hmm. This kind of people are there. They are special mm-hmm. and they are amazing people in this world. Mm-hmm. So in secondary school, I've also appreciated the fact that um, it is okay to tell somebody your story and encourage yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. I think you writing this book and sharing your whole story through all of your stages of development to where you're at now. And yeah. then give that to, you know, people who will want you as a mentor. There's a vulnerability about it. It's not just people seeing you like, hi, I'm an expert. I'm going to help you. Like you said, and they have like these expectations. It's like, no, I'm a human being. And I went through a lot in my life. And the reason I'm here now is because I've gone through all of this and I see this generation going through a lot. I know your story. Like, here's mine. This is the power of storytelling. And it's why I wanted to start this podcast. And a lot of what I do in the classroom too is with storytelling. Like I usually start the school year with students interviewing family members or friends that are older than them. And they talk about a time in history and their perspective of it. Because to me, like history is pretty subjective besides like clear facts and names of people. Um, It's who's telling that story, right? Like that is it. But when you share these stories, you are sharing your humanity, right? You're connecting, you're having a human connection. And it sounds so simple, but we don't do that enough in this world. Like we don't do it. And we need to do it more. (laughs) People are busy doing their own things. Some of us, us, as I have said in the in the in the in the car in in this evening's post, is actually that we are busy even with our own lives. (laughs) Yeah, too busy. busy. (laughs) We are busy even with our own lives. So if you expect people to actually uh, Mm. help you that much, then you will be disappointed. Yeah. So in this book, I will finish uh, by saying please mentor me that's the final Mm. part of it please mentor me so that i now introduce them to the program that Mm. i'm launching Mm -hmm. and then in a way through your program you're not only mentoring people but you're kind of showing them how to be a mentor so this is very much like the ripple effect i talk about that a lot on my posts on linkedin and just in general but like this ripple effect of like you know, you throw a rock into a lake and there's a ripple and it just keeps going and going and going. And it's like the whole like biblical saying, you know, or religious saying of like, don't just give someone a fish, but teach them how to fish. Right. So like I can mentor you and then I can teach you how to mentor and then you can do that for somebody else. And it just keeps going, which is amazing. That's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, I have actually realized that there is no perfect mentor. With, there is no perfect mentee without a mentor. Every mentor has. Every mentor is a mentee to someone. Yes, absolutely. So I'm being mentored. I mentor 
the person mm-hmm. that I am mentoring is a mentor to another. So mm-hmm. I, I am a good mentor because I am a mentee to another person. So mm-hmm. we, we all keep growing. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful thing. I like that myself. Mm-hmm. I like the world of teaching. Mm-hmm. You should see me excited when I see students. I would love to. I would love for you to videotape that and put it out there on LinkedIn or YouTube because I could, just like you were saying, you know, and thank you so much for those wonderful words about, you know, if you were in my classroom, I think I would be in your classroom and just be so excited just to be around you (laughs) because you're just this like energetic, really beautiful, like positive, upbeat person, but very real. Like you're not trying to fake it, right? Like you have a genuine sense about you because you are like, I've gone through a lot. I've seen a lot. I see other people going through a lot and you just really want to connect with them. So I would love if you videotaped your class (laughs) and you posted that somewhere because I would love to watch it. And I think all of our viewers and listeners would love to do that as well. Uh, Judith, this has been a beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed having you on today and you're doing great work. I think the book you're writing and the program you're creating is going to be wonderful. I have like, you know, all the faith that you're going to be able to accomplish you know, this and more and, and really have this impact on young people and the world. So thank you so much. Keep the title of my book hidden for now. <laughs> oh, you don't have a title yet or you're, you're hiding I it. Have okay. it? I have it. Yeah, it's yes. ready. It's- no, yeah. If you but are I- ready to go later on, you can share. Yeah, I will keep it re- hidden for now so that it becomes a surprise to the world. And then yeah. I'll also begin the YouTube channel not too long from now. Okay. Yeah, and I'll be sharing lots about the many things that I do. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you? What's the best way that people can connect with you? Is it LinkedIn or do you have other sources? I have other spaces, but at the moment, I love LinkedIn more. Yeah. yeah. So in LinkedIn is where you can find me full time, full time. <laughs> and I will link your contact information in the show notes so people can find you. Uh, LinkedIn's yes. been a wonderful community. This is how we connect it. And then we connected on the teacher circle and it's been really wonderful. I'm going to be sharing this in the teacher circle as well. So thank you again for being on the show. You're welcome. Let's keep following each other. Let's keep connecting. Let's keep soaring in this yes. um, world of opportunities. We can do this. <laughs> thank you, Judith. This has we been wonderful. Capable. We are. <laughs> Great spirit. Have a good day. Have a good day too. Thank you so much. I thank you so much. Bye. (laughs) Bye.